Under the Hood <laughs> with Jonathan Hood. Tim crushes this ball. He throws the bat. The ball goes flying. It is gone. Under the Hood, behind the scenes, nobody really sees. Four runs right in the air deep. Is it enough? It's gone. Ball game over. Hey, I'm hot. Jonathan Hood. I'm hot. Rubisky. Robinson. And Mack will take it all the way in for a touchdown. A lot of this is behind the scenes or under the hood. DeMarc in it. He didn't come for the massage. He came for the fight show. Oh, baby. Jonathan Hood. Oh, Put a body on that man, please. Breaks the hole. Swift got running room. Swift got to go. 30, 20, 10, 5. Touchdown, Swift. Under the hood with Jonathan Hood. I'm the man. Nights on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. What's up and welcome in live from Chicago. This is Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app with open phone lines for you at 312-332-ESPN, 332-3776 is the telephone number. Hit me up on Snapchat, SnapJHood. Follow me on Snapchat. I will follow you back, guarantee. Try me. You got Snapchat, put in SnapJHood, hit that follow button. Bet you I'll follow you back. Also on Instagram, IGJHood. Here on this Thursday night, as we broadcast live from our first Midwest Bank studios. On the program tonight, we will hear from Ryan Hollins, who covers the NBA for ESPN.com. Ryan Hollins, 10-year veteran, working with ESPN. You see him on first take and get up on the television side of ESPN. He'll be with us coming up at the bottom of the hour here on ESPN 1000. Also, we'll hear from Jesse Rogers, who covers the Cubs for ESPN.com. We'll find out his thoughts about the Cubs and Rockies from earlier today and what we can expect because big weekend, right? It's the Cubs and it's the Cardinals. The Cardinals are coming in. So we're going to find out what that matchup is all about with Jesse. Also, we will bear down. We'll take a look at the Chicago Bears as always. NFL and Bears conversation to be had. We have it with Bear Down uh, every night at 8.30. Also, good friend of the program, Pat Bradley from the SEC Network. I am keeping my eyes because I think we're about 13 days away from the NBA draft. Oh, we're getting close to the NBA draft. So we'll talk to Pat Bradley, who played for the Arkansas Razorbacks, analyst for SEC Network. We'll find out what he thinks that the Bulls should do at number seven with the pick. And, of course, oh. Let me check out again. Thursday, June 6th. Oh, that means throwback Thursday. The throwback. We will have throwback Thursday for you right here on ESPN 1000. We've got a good one for you as well. You're going to like this one. You know, I always say we have a good one, and it's always good. I think we've had a bad throwback Thursday, but I'm just overselling once again. 
Yes, it's going to be a great one. <laughs> Throwback Thursday coming up at 9.30 right here on ESPN 1000. Hope that you had a great Thursday. Hope that you have a great Thursday night as I keep you company until 10 o'clock. Then it's Dan Levitar, Stu Gatz, and Stan Van Gundy right here on ESPN 1000. Let's start first with the Cubs. The Cubs fall short today against the Colorado Rockies. And watching the game today, the uh, the Cubs lose the game 3-1. to one. Young man Peter Lambert was a starter for the Rockies. And it just got the Cubs off guard. Cubs only scored one run in the bottom of the sixth, end up losing that ball game three to one. Uh, Quintana was a starter. He pitched well enough for a victory, deserved a victory. Seven to third, six hits, three runs, all earned and four strikeouts. But the Cubs fall short. But as Joe Madden will tell you, under the hood, behind the scenes, nobody really sees. Well, he says more than just that. But what he will tell you is, is that two out of three ain't bad. The thing that Theo hates the most, that two out of three ain't bad. Yes, they did win the series. And as I told you, coming into this homestand, the Cubs should be able to have a really good homestand. Coming off the road, the way that they uh, played down to their competition, I thought at times, I think that looking at this homestand, the Cubs should have a really, really solid homestand. It starts with the Rockies. They beat the Anaheim Angels this week as well. So I think that that this should be a, a really good homestand for the Cubs. Now, today's game kind of reminded me of what we saw with them on the road recently in which they could not find a way to hit the baseball. And but something else that was kind of a rock in my shoe today when the lineup came out and I saw that Chris Bryant was not only hitting second but playing right field. Okay, let me put on my old school baseball hat just for a second, okay? Just for a second. Because I, I just am not of the opinion that if you have someone that's solid over at third base like Chris Bryant, that he should be moved all over the field, left field, right field, center field. I, I think that Chris Bryant is a third baseman. As a matter of fact, I think that you agree with me that Chris Bryant is probably best suited to be over at third base. I understand the strategy, however, because of how hot Bodie has been. Bodie was really good in this series against the Rockies, so he put his bat in the lineup to play third base. He goes over for 4 and strikes out twice. It, it bit him in the ass. It also bit him in the ass that you saw Chris Bryant misplay a fly ball to right field. I will not go along with the, the feeling that, well, anybody can have those issues. No, that doesn't go that way. Now, Chris Bryant should be over at third base every day. That's, that's who he is. I don't like the idea that he's playing right and left, even though he doesn't mind. You're trying to get extra offense in there. To me, old school baseball hood says that he should be playing third base every day. Joe Madden had his thoughts about the Cubs' loss against the Rockies as they fall short three to one. I, I think normally the guys like that kid is pretty composed. Like I said, he was able to take the game he's been pitching in AAA and bring it to the big leagues. That's what I was thinking during the game. Um, if you look at him more recently, I think he had like a ten punch out performance in Vegas two or three starts ago, and I would imagine it looked a lot like that. I saw a little bit of the video that down angle with the with the fastball. He's got a really good changeup that he plays uh, often. And then um, the curve and, um, and the slider. So he's, he's a nice pitcher. He's got 94 consistently and with, with uh, some angle. So, again, I, I thought both he and Q did a nice job today. Even with the result, do you feel a different sort of vibe going into a, a, another St. Louis series than, than you had, let's say, last Thursday? Or? Oh, um, I know I think coming back in, um, you know, of course, we didn't like what happened. Uh, we have a chance. We've had a chance to ride ourselves a little bit this week uh, among, between the Angels and now this series. So yeah, I think you're going to see a lot of the same. Though you're going to see again. I think like this series, uh, tightly contested games, well pitched, um, a break or two might 
catapult, typical stuff you see in sports. But um, I think, again, our teams are, are comparatively good, Cardinals and us. I think us and the Rockies are. There's a lot of uh, equity in the uh, National League right now. Wherever you go, um, I've been impressed. I've been seeing it the last couple of years coming on. And so now there's nothing to assume, man. It's just assume that it's going to be tightly contested, and that's what I expect. Joe, the ball that Chris had trouble with uh, in the sun, is that a byproduct at all of not playing a whole lot of right field? It's a byproduct of the sun. Uh, whoever put it there at that particular moment, I was really upset with that. Uh, no, it's just a tough play. It's a tough play. It's happened to uh, uh, many good outfielders in our right field. It's just a tough spot. No, not the sun. He shouldn't be playing right field. It's a nice bailout answer. A great question, once again, from my guy, Dave Kerner, the governor. But the point is, is that it shouldn't have happened. He shouldn't be playing. He should be playing third base every day. No sun. Just a bad beat on the ball, one. But two, put a right fielder in right field. All right. And, and again, it's, it comes down to what you think is best. Do you feel like you can take a defensive liability or maybe not liability? Maybe that's too strong. A question mark in right field where it's like 85% of the time he makes that play, maybe the other 15 he doesn't. By adding Bodie to the lineup, you, maybe you're willing to take a little bit of a defensive setback. By having Bodie's bat in the lineup, I get it. I just think that a third baseman should play third base every day. As you're listening to Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. So the big news is that the Cubs were finally able to get their big fish in getting Craig Kimbrell. We talked about this the last couple of nights on the program. Is that Joe Madden says that Craig Kimbrell should be ready in about three weeks, which is fine. For those that don't know, Kimbrell, 333 saves and a 1.91 ERA over his nine major league Baseball seasons turned down $17.9 million a qualifying offer from Boston last November and re- remained a free agent. One of the things that was kind of weird, I thought, um, in this offseason versus others that I can remember is that there's quality players that should have been on a roster that were not. And so Craig Kimbrell is one of those guys. It's June and Kimbrell still didn't get a job. Uh, I will say what I said on Tuesday night that I find it interesting that nobody else was in line to get Kimbrell or did not bite to get Kimbrell. Like, I know Tampa could use a closer. There's a number of teams could use a quality guy with 333 saves in his career and a two ERA over nine Major League Baseball seasons. But it's it's the bull, it's it's a, a bullpen that really needed some help. 11 blown saves this season. Brandon Morrow has not returned from offseason elbow surgery. Strope came back Tuesday from a hamstring injury. So you want someone to solidify the bullpen. And because the Cubs have been so short with that bullpen, to have Moro in there is not an automatic. It's not an automatic. It's not an automatic that he's going to be able to have the same stuff he had with the Red Sox. Also, it's not automatic that the Cubs win the World Series because of this. I know that I'm on the board of saying the Cubs as a team offensively is good enough to be able to take on any team in the National League and win whether it's regular season or postseason, the lineup is good enough. Now, whether or not they perform to that level, that's a whole different kettle of fish. It's a whole different story. But the Cubs, as a team, are good enough to be able to get it done offensively. They don't show it very often, though, because when you have a ball club that's in the 250, 260s range, it's, uh, it's, it's, it should be better than that. The team is underachieved since the World Series, I would say. You can look at the last year, you look at the 95 wins, and that's great. 
but you know what the real goal is. The goal is to not only get to the World Series, but to compete and win the World Series. It is World Series or bust once you win it. There, there are the expectations of just try to get over 500 or just try to get into the playoffs. The expectations have been able to be on the rise since Theo Epstein came to town one, since Joe Madden came to town two, and how the team was able to win the World Series three. That's how the team, the expectations of the team is. Once you've won the World Series, you want more. If you're a Cubs fan, you definitely want more. So that, that's the whole thing that I look at it. When you take a look at the numbers for Kimbrell, 1.54 ERA, and you look at those numbers uh, with his career ERA against his new division opponents, the Brewers, the Cardinals, the Pirates, and the Reds, with 40 saves and only three blown saves, and you think about this, the Milwaukee Brewers are right there on the tails of the Cubs. You know that they're going to be the sticking it beehive as we move forward. He's allowed just no runs in 12 games pitched against the Brewers. Those numbers are great. Can he Is he able to replicate that in 2019? There are more positives out there for Craig Kimbrell as a closer. I don't doubt that he can do the job. Can he be as efficient? Can he be as productive as he was in years past in the American League? That's a big question mark. Uh, you think about a seven-time All-Star in Craig Kimbrell who has the lowest ERA in the live ball era. Those numbers are great, but the question is, the bullpen leading into it, the bullpen leading into Kimbrell, can they be able to be as productive to get him to the ninth? Can the offense be able to actually produce like they should? A lot of question marks. Not negatives, but more question marks about the Cubs, even as they are right now. After the win, 34-27, and 27, there's, of course, question marks more so than negatives about this Cubs team. It's on them. It, uh, you, the days of blaming Theo Epstein for not spending money or blaming the Ricketts and all that stuff, it's about the team. If the team does not, if they underachieve again, it's not on Chili Davis, okay? It's not on the hitting coach. It's not on the sun in the sky. It's on those guys. You know, again, big market. World Series champion a few years ago, they got to be in that same conversation again, but it's on the players to get it done. Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. ESPN 1000's Anthony Rizzo thinks that the Kimbrell signing is big. I mean, it's, uh, it's definitely a boost, you know, just obviously when you sign from Kimbrell. It's what he's done uh, um, winning the World Series last year and what he's done throughout his career is amazing and it's definitely it's a big boost for us, um, and just lengthens everything out once he once he gets here and gets settled in, and uh, we're, we're pumped. Let's move on to the Golden State Warriors and the Toronto Raptors. We hear every game of the NBA Finals right here on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Raptors win 123 to 109, and now the Raptors have a 2-1 series lead. Yesterday's occurrence yesterday's game did not surprise me watching the game yesterday from the hood cave i'm sitting there watching and i'm thinking okay and i said at the time if felix if you remember this you gave me the story about clay thompson and i said and he said hey looks like clay thompson is a game time decision i said he's not gonna play anytime there's just question marks about that hamstring i said eh, he's not gonna play and i was right he did not play and it hurt the warriors even as stacked and as talented as the warriors are it's still was a little bit of a setback for them to be able to beat a talented Toronto Raptors team. Because Draymond Green, I think, has played his, his heart out. 41 minutes, 17 points, um, of, let's see, six assists shy of having a double-double, three assists, three rebounds shy of having a, a, uh, a double-double. 
So he had some really good numbers there. And then from there, you look at Steph Curry, who was a star, 47 points, 43 minutes, 14 for 31 from the field. He hit six threes, just missed one free throw, 13 for 14. I mean, you think about what the Warriors were able to bring with Steph Curry, with Draymond Green, and you thought, is that enough? Andre Godal not being 100%. DeMarcus Cousins could not replicate what he did in Game 2. Game 3 last night, only four points in 19 minutes of play. The bench was kind of non-existent. So you have to see that not just one Splash Brother, but both Splash Brothers could have helped the Warriors win if if Clay Thompson was available and if he was healthy enough to play. But you got to give the Toronto Raptors credit. No matter if the Warriors are are, are shorthanded or not, the Raptors easily could have just rolled over and said, well, I'm at Oracle, and there's no way we can win because we're not expected to win after we got beat in Game 2. The Raptors made 17 three-pointers in Game 3. That's tied for the most by any team on the road in finals history. They were 17 for 38 from three-point range. That's 44%. And even though Kawhi Leonard is not 100%, he still provided 30 points. He still gave six assists and seven rebounds. Uh, Siakam had a, a very pedestrian Game 2, came back with, with Game 3 with 18 points. Marcus Saul had a pedestrian game two, comes back last night with 17 points. And then all of a sudden, Kyle Lowry thought, oh, oh, damn, it's, it's the finals. Oh, maybe I should play a little bit. Kyle Lowry played and played well. 23 points in 43 minutes of play. Uh, Danny Green was able to knock down six threes. So this series could be going seven games because We've come to find out now that, once again, Durant will not be available for Friday's game. Uh, Clay Thompson still says he thinks he can play. If he does play, what kind of Clay Thompson are you getting? It is just an interesting, intriguing series to me because the Raptors, because of the injuries to the Warriors, could be able to could win this thing. And this will feel like the Dallas Mavericks victory that when they won the championship the first time around against the Big Three. This very well could happen. The Warriors have really been able to do a lot through this championship run. But overcoming injuries is pretty tough. Now, uh, Steve Kerr, former Bull, head coach for the Golden State Warriors, is very proud of the Warriors' effort, even though they fell short 123-109. to They played really, really hard and uh, gave it everything they had and uh, just ran into a better team tonight. Toronto played an excellent game. Made big shots every time they needed to. We never could get over the hump every time we we fought back and kind of got it to six, seven, or eight, whatever it was. Uh, They made big shots, so um, they outplayed us. They deserved it. And um, uh, but I'm I'm very proud of our effort. And now we just got to bounce back and uh, hopefully um, get back here in here Friday night. Hopefully get get a little healthier and get some guys back. But we'll see we'll see how that goes. But main thing is you just got to play better. Draymond Green, always got to have the hat on, the black hat. I think Bogut played great uh, in his minutes. Um, you know, but, you know, obviously Loon has been great for us all year. So, you know, not having him out there definitely makes a difference. Um, you know, not having anyone uh, makes a difference because everyone, you know, when you assemble the team, everyone brings something different. So, you know, but no one, you know, no one cared that guys are hurt. Everybody wants to see us lose, so I'm sure people are happy to hurt. We just got to continue to battle and win the next game, go back to Toronto, win game five, come back to Oracle, win game six, and then celebrate. Fun times ahead. (laughs) 
you know, I always find it interesting how some people, and it, maybe it might be friends of yours, it might be coworkers, family members, whatever, how they how they love to be able to empower haters. It's really something. It's almost like like for Draymond Green, it's like breathing. It's like a heartbeat for him. Like like I'm sitting here watching the NBA Finals or listening to it here on ESPN 1000, and I'm just watching the series for what it is. Draymond Green thinks that me and you and you and you, you're all hating against the Warriors. Everyone's betting against the Warriors. Who? I mean, it, unless you actually feel that way, I don't know anybody in my circle. Nobody that works here, nobody that in my circle of friends, nobody's texted me or tweeted me and said, you know, I'm really looking forward to the Warriors not only losing the series, but to continue to be hurt because their unhealth makes me happy. Unless you're just an idiot. You know, and I know there's a lot of the, a lot of you out there that can be classified as such, but no one is looking for look no one's looking forward to the Warriors continuing to be hurt and then not being able to compete at full strength. Who cares? Just just entertain me. I don't care if you're hurt or not. Just when, whoever's out there, just put on one team against the other so I can watch the NBA Finals. I don't care. This is kind of, but for him, he needs that almost to breathe. It's amazing. Um, something else that was um, a negative byproduct to this game yesterday was Mark Stevens. Do you know the name? Mark Stevens is one of the investors of the Golden State Warriors. And Kyle Lowry on a play uh, in the game yesterday was going out of bounds he ran into the fan the stands and of course it's one of those things where it's one of those close plays that's on the baseline sometimes players kind of fall into your lap in the first second sometimes the third row and so mark stevens one of the investors for the golden state warriors took it upon himself to push kyle lowry as he was trying to get his footing and trying to get back on the floor mark stevens has been banned the NBA has banned Golden State Warriors investor Mark Stevens for one season and has fined him $500,000 after a team executive shoved Toronto Raptors guard Kyle Lowry and repeatedly cursed at him during Game 3 of the NBA Finals at Oracle Arena. The ban is effective immediately, including all Warrior team activities and will carry through the 2019-2020 season and the postseason. A team representative must be held to the highest possible standard and the conduct of Golden State Warriors investor Mark Stevens. Um, Mark Stevens last night was beyond his uh, conduct was beyond unacceptable and has no place in our league. That was a statement from the league. Obscene language that was going Lowry's way multiple times and then tried to push him. You know, just because you do have the wherewithal financially to be able to be an investor with the Golden State Warriors does not give you license to yell and curse at or even touch one of the players. Now, I know that fans can be fanatics and go over the top and say things that they probably shouldn't say. Look, look, I'm a fan. I've done that, too, as far as yelling at players. I, I remember... I remember doing that even at, uh, at Guaranteed Rate Field, just yelling, but not to the point where it's over the top and it's unsettling for people. But I think that you cross the line when you feel the entitlement to be able to grab a player and push a player. I mean, you represent the team, and he wasn't thinking about that. He clearly wanted to be able to make a statement to Kyle Lowry. It's really amazing. I want to say two things about this. One thing is is that you see the difference, the stark difference between the NBA and the National Football League. If this is Roger Goodell, this would take a month to figure out. 
even though we have empirical evidence right there on television in last night's game of this clown pushing Kyle Lowry for no reason. If this is the NFL, they would have to been like the Zapruder films and trying to break it down over and over and over and over again for a month to find out whether or not this guy was guilty or not. The NBA saw the film and said, nope, you can't be around. You can't be around. You, you lost your seat. You're fined $500,000. You're not going to be in around any Warriors team events. And actually, even with that, that's still not far enough. Mark Stevens should not be around Oracle. He could be an investor, but he should not be around the team. And the reason why that he shouldn't is because he lost his right to be able to do so. He lost his right. There is no other side to this. I know maybe you will try to find another side to this. Well, what did Kyle Lowry just playing basketball? These guys that have millions of dollars, they're sitting there on the sideline that earned the right, by the way, to sit there, but not, did not earn the right to start touching players and swearing at players and treating them like yard animals. You, you can't do that. I think the NBA should go even a step further because someone has to be the example. If Mark Stevens, an investor with the Golden State Warriors, has to be the example, let him be the example. I don't want him around. I don't think he should be around the game. You're an investor. You've lost the right to sit there in that spot. Go to a press box and not, or go someplace else, but you've lost the right for that, court, that front court seat. Why is it those clowns, right? I mean, he's lost the right for one season. Here's the difference between people with money and people without money. Let it be Jonathan Hood that did that. You saw me in the stands last night, and I pushed Kyle Lowry because he's not part of my team. I pushed him. Now, I'd be banned for life. You know why? Because I'm just a regular guy. But for Mark Stevens, he's for for one season, he's been fined uh, five hundred thousand dollars, and so that's just for one season. But if it's me or you, we wouldn't be allowed back in the arena. So why does it have to be different for Mark Stevens? And I, I'll take it yet another step, talking about Drake, right? So Drake also is an investor with the other team, the Toronto Raptors, and Drake. As you've seen over the years, getting a face in the face of players, um, the whole issue with Kendrick Perkins on the sidelines a couple of years ago, Drake does has a, a financial interest in the Toronto Raptors, but not to the point where he's on the floor or he's moving around. And yes, he did rub the the shoulders of his head coach Nick Nurse. That shouldn't have been allowed either. Those with money, those with means. Just because you're close doesn't mean that you're part of the act. You don't deserve to be part of the act. So I, I have a, a major problem with that. Yes, I'm glad that he'll be banned for one season, this Mark Stevens, but, but there's a reason why some players feel the way they do about, about people that are going after them, saying things that they shouldn't be saying. It's not about sensitivity. You don't deserve to be pushed. I don't care what sport it is. Kyle Lowry wants a ban for that fan who pushed him. If you watch it, you know, he reached over and, and put his hands on me for no reason. Right. Um, then he said a couple, you know, some vulgar words to me and, and, and you know, s- repeated them re- repeatedly. Um, but, you know, in our league, there's no place for that. Um, you know, honestly, I hope he's never allowed to come to an NBA game because he shouldn't have did that. Um, 
there is no place for that. And, you know, and luckily, you know, they, they threw him out. I talked to the league's uh, security already and um, explained myself. And, you know, I don't really, you know, the fans have a place. I, we sure. love our fans, but fans like that, fans like that, they shouldn't be allowed to be in there because, you know, it, it's not right. And, you know, I can't do nothing to protect myself. Um, but, you know, the league does a good job. And, you know, I, hopefully they ban him from all NBA games ever. Were you able, uh, it seemed it, just to watch you play, but it seems like, okay, so you get mad in the moment, but you step back between the lines and then it was over. Like, it didn't seem to me like you were carrying around any kind of a fog, so to speak, so you were able to put it behind you immediately? Yeah, my teammates, you know, my teammates always do a good job of saying, look, don't worry about it, they'll handle it, they'll handle it. Um, You know, I said, listen, we have the best league out there. You know, our professional league is the best league there is, and we have great people around. Um, They watched the video, you know, the the officials said, look, they're going to watch the video, boom, boom, boom. They throw them out, and, you know, for me, it was just about continuing to stay in the moment, staying level-headed. You know, I got a little mad, but my teammates pulled me back and said, listen, don't worry about it, let's go out here and win this game. So that's there from Kyle Lowry with the SVP. I think that's even before he knew that it wasn't just a fan. It was an investor with the Warriors, Mark Stevens. He referred to him as a fan. He even know that that was someone that actually is synonymous with the team. So it's a shame. But it happened. But, I, you know, the league, I give them credit because the next day they make the decision. The NFL would have taken forever. But I think you could take it either another step. Make Mark Stevens the example. Hey, you got money, doesn't mean that you get a chance to touch the merchandise. Ryan Hollins on the NBA Finals. That comes up next. You're listening to my mans and them. Just some men that's on the mic. And when we rock up on the mic, we rock the mic. Jay Hood. On ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood. Weeknights on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Final seconds are expiring. They didn't have Clay Thompson. They still don't have Kevin Durant. Raptors had to get a win against an undermanned Warriors team, and they do it tonight in Oakland. Toronto takes game three, 123-109. The Raptors take a 2-1 series lead in the NBA Finals. Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000, the ESPN Appalachian with us. We will bear down coming up in an hour from now. We'll talk about the latest with the Chicago Bears in the National Football League with Bear Down at 8.30 right here on ESPN 1000. Let's talk more about the NBA Finals. You can hear every game of the NBA Finals right here on ESPN 1000. We turn to an NBA veteran and an analyst for ESPN. It is the Ryan Hollins, and he joins us here on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Hello, Ryan. What's going on, brother? <laughs> How you doing? I'm doing great. Let me ask you a question. All of, all of your years playing basketball, whether it was in college at UCLA or the pros, had you ever had an incident with a fan uh, to the point where you had to be able to say something or something that you didn't like from what a fan said or did? Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, I haven't had anything that's that physical. But I've had several, if not too many, altercations with fans. Give me an example of what that what it was like for you, because we know what happened with Kyle Lowry, uh, with Toronto, and the game yesterday. What, what are your memories of your interaction with fans that didn't like you because you had a different uniform on or something? Well, it's those moments when they cross the line, where I'm not just cheering against you or I want to see a basketball play. Somebody challenge you as a, as a man, as a human being and someone's no more than five to ten feet from you, 
hey, I can see what you're saying, buddy. I understand it, and I'm going to address you. People forget that uh, we're actually human beings, and they think we're, we're more like gladiators, or uh, in some people's cases, they feel like they paid for a ticket to the game. And I've literally, I've, Jonathan, I've heard this. I paid for a ticket to the game. I earned the right to say what I want and do what I want in these seats. I don't care how much money you spend. I don't care if it's the, the million-dollar ticket in the front row. Uh, you, you have not bought another man's integrity. And in, in those instances, uh, you know, I, I've been pushed to, and I've seen several teammates pushed to situations where uh, they have to act out. And, it, you know, obviously we, we've all learned our lessons from the balance in the palace. But mm-hmm. those, uh, those instances, man, or those uh, opportunities, or I don't even want to call them opportunities, but those, uh, those acts just – well, I, I said this earlier on the show. I said that, you know, this sense of entitlement from from someone who is a, an investor with the Warriors and Mark Stevens is this feeling that just because you're in a front row, believing that you can just do whatever you want. This is an, an issue, man, because I, I know that Adam Silver is forward minded in this regard. Yes, he won't be around during the NBA finals, but that guy has I think that he messed up his opportunity uh, to be able to be on that front row. I mean, for the rest of the time that he's involved with the Warriors, because if that's how you treat our athletes, uh, what makes me think that you're not going to do it again? I don't think he should be back there again. Well, even even think about this, Jonathan. Uh, I don't know if I'm going to go that far. Uh, let's say you're speaking to all NBA athletes, and you've got the hottest free agent on the market that you want to keep in-house by the name of Kevin Durant. Mm-hmm. So... Let's say Kevin Durant was, was, was playing for the Wizards or playing for the Thunder. Would you treat him the same way? Because now you don't just, you're not just a fan in the arena as you brought out so greatly. Uh, he, he's, he's a lot more and he represents our ownership. So they, they essentially have to separate themselves from this guy and make a statement. But for me, this is a, this is a fair punishment. This is a fair punishment, Jonathan, because this goes both ways and I don't want to be a hypocrite. What would the penalty be if a player, if Kyle reacted? If he put his hands on that fan, what would Kyle Lowry's penalty be? He would be out for the rest of the finals, at the at the minimum, and, and a pretty high fine. So, I feel like, however, they're going both ways because I don't want to be beyond this. I do understand you do have to teach a lesson to all fans out there that there are lines that are crossed, and there was more than one guy. To me, I don't know if you watched it. So, there's the one fan in the front. He's the guy. And he grabs him, and he says what he has to say, and he kind of shoves him. And then after the fact, actually, while it's going on, there's another guy behind him that grabs and rips Kyle's jersey, and then he realizes, like, oh, snap, <laughs> and he pats him on the back. So uh, that thing escalated really quick, and I, and I do understand, you know, there's a, there was in that instant, if you want to dissect the play, Kyle's running towards the sidelines, Full speed. Maybe the guy thought he should have slowed up, and his lady friend that was there, she dies out the way. Now, after you see that she's okay, you're okay, he took it an extra step. He went too far, Jonathan. Ryan Hollins with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app as we talk about the NBA Finals. Um, put a, Give me your letter grade for the bigs that we saw out there yesterday with Gasol and Cousins. What are your letter grades for both of those guys? Well, if I'm going to look at Mark Gasol, I'll give him a B-plus. It wasn't a stellar performance. We didn't see 48 minutes, not even 28 minutes of it, but he did his job. 
He won his matchup, and he took uh, DeMarcus Cousins out the game. DeMarcus Cousins, I'm not going to give him a letter grade. I'm going to give him a pass or no pass. Yesterday, he didn't pass. was not his fault. Actually, I may go to preschool. They go one, two, threes, or fours. He's a satisfactory. Why? Okay. The guy's injured, bro. It's just a, 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 a huge thing for him to actually be on the floor right now. And he had no lift. He couldn't move. And he understood how badly the team needed him. Can you be upset if you're the Warriors that he couldn't get it done and he wasn't the DeMarcus Cousins of old? Not at all. I can't even imagine how his body felt after playing 28 minutes of action after having not played at all. Not in the NBA, not in the playoffs, but in the NBA Finals, bro. I know he was trashed. Clay Thompson's absence was a big difference, obviously, in the game yesterday. If he plays, do you have a better feel for what Golden State was going to bring, again, even without Durant? Yeah, well, here's the, here's the biggest deal. We want to die the game. They spaced the floor. And when Draymond Green or Steph Curry drove to the lane, there were three or four guys just sitting in the lane, even at times four and five. And they would say, you know what, kick out to a three-point shooter. I dare you. That's what the rest of the NBA looks like. Kick out to a three-point shooter, let them shoot the basketball. We're not worried. We're going to close back out. And in some instances, they'd have the guys catch, roll the ball, spin it a few times, and then shoot it. And it still didn't go in. So you complete game plan changes. Basketball is a whole lot easier when you can shrink the floor and sit in the paint and have a lot of success doing it. Just Clay Thompson standing out there, bro, just him standing alone changes the whole basketball game because then guys like Draymond, guys like Livingston and Iguodala are that much more effective. What what was your thoughts on how the Raptors' performance against Golden State? Yes, they were. Uh, it was a mash unit. Golden State didn't have their full guns going. But what did you like most about the Raptors and how did it look? What's the difference between Game One and Game Three? Hey, there's two things, bro. There's two things, bro. Before we before we get all fast on me and get all fancy, there's, there's two things, bro. Okay. The first thing was they did what they're supposed to do. You did not lose to Steph Curry. Great job. They held their identity. They were who they were. And, Jonathan, when you're the better team, there's no reason to tinker with the lineup. There's no reason to change your game plan. Go be the best Toronto Raptors that you can be. And they were. Hats off. They defend, they grind, and they attempt to share the basketball. There's nothing really special about it. They were them. Now, what do I draw from the game? Nothing about that game told me that they can beat the Warriors. Nothing about that game told me that the Raptors grew or they made shots, or there was something that they figured out. They didn't look spectacular, and I get it. Part of the game plan was Steph Curry. Go ahead and go out and get your 50. Let's wear him down. Let him beat us. I'm okay with him beating us because it won't be the other guys. Absolute lack of respect, and in the long run, Steph Curry may have won the battle and lost the war. What do I mean by that? could have worn himself out. As a matter of fact, he risked injury. I get it. There's no tomorrow. But guess what? That game ended up being a wash, and Toronto did their jobs. Not mad at that, bro. But absolutely, the the Toronto Raptors showed me nothing, bro. Oh, so so the Warriors more or less lost the game more so than Toronto won it. Yeah, absolutely. We we look at injuries, and and I I didn't say that because... (laughs) Wait a minute. I look at at the injuries because, listen... Yeah. I, I gotta be able to tell you once these guys get back, did they do anything special? I didn't see, see anything special. They didn't shoot the ball great. Lowry, Lowry was average, and then he got he got going. Kawhi was, you know, he, he 
tell him the playmaker, he was decent, but I thought Golden State guarded them extremely well. They just couldn't make shots, Jonathan. So, I mean, yes, but you gave Lowry and, and Leonard, you gave them some props, but then at the other end, you still say it's really on Golden State. I mean, at some point, you got to give Toronto credit, don't you? No, I don't. No, no, no? not at okay. all, bro, because you know they're not going to win. They, okay. Listen, they were, they, they were abysmal on offense, bro. They were horrible. I mean, it was disgusting. I mean, seriously, Golden State, outside of Steph Curry, I don't know if anybody's going over 10 points. I mean, it was probably a struggle. I mean, Draymond Green airballed a few times. I mean, come on, bro. You just sit back and watch what you saw. It was bad. When you have a team tricking off on offense, it's pretty easy to score the basketball. And this should have been a 20 or a 30-point blowout, bro. You can't tell me they're just kind of fine with that. I mean, there there was a lineup of Andrew Bogut, McKinney. uh, I, I mean, dude, dude, come on. I understand. I'm just, you know what's going to be, let me just set the narrative because you are an opinion maker, so you're going to be setting the narrative on this. If, and it's a big if, if Toronto was to win this, if Toronto was to win this, there's no way that you're going to be giving Toronto any props. You're just going to say Golden State lost it. That's that's going to be the narrative, right? Bro, when you're playing against, and I'm not going to call these G-leaguers because these are still professionals, but I was a role player in the league. And when I was in Cleveland, when I was in a couple other spots that weren't the, the most luxurious, I played with other role players. It's not pretty, bro. It's, it's, it's not pretty. There's a reason you have superstars and stars in the league. They make plays happen. And, I'm, and I get it. I know you don't feel bad for Golden State. They're, you know, six current and former All-Stars missing out the lineup or, or not playing. You know, what more do you want, Golden State? But it is a factor, man. They couldn't spread the floor. It, it was. I mean, it was easy to guard. I mean, me, you, Q, Rich, a couple guys off the street. Maybe we could have locked down the Raptors and just had somebody to guard instead of Curry, double and triple team him, man. But they could not make it happen, bro. Don't forget uh, when when these games are over. Tune in to ESPN News and find Zubin Mahente and Ryan Holland hosting NBA at the Mic. Again, you can find that on ESPN News on Friday night for our next game for the NBA Finals. And so this is what's going to happen. If Toronto wins, let's look for a sad Ryan Holland sitting there, not giving Toronto. <laughs> While everybody north of the border will be celebrating, Ryan will talk about how the Warriors blew it. So that's uh, that's that, there. No, they're, they're, they're injured. They're injured. <laughs> the opinion maker. There he is, Ryan Hollins, <laughs> telling you right now. <laughs> One of the great opinion makers of our time. He'll be there on first take. He'll be there on get up telling you that the Golden State Warriors blew it in Toronto. Well, they have the championship. because, And I think the other reason why that you may feel that way is because you realize that this is not sustainable. This, If, this, if they were able to pull this off, this feels more like the Dallas Mavericks championship more so than anything else. I'm not going to go that far. Oh, but why? Because it's fresh. I mean, because that take is fresh. Oh, That's no, why no, you no, won't no, go that far. That. We're, not, we're not doing it. I get it. That was LeBron's first year, but you still beat a talented team, even though – you know, they wouldn't have beat him the second year. But, bro, look yeah. at the injuries. I mean, let, name one team. Shoot, name one team in history that would win a series missing their, their, their top three or four guys. I mean, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Are you serious? No, no, no I'm, not, I'm not kidding you. No. But Ryan Hollins no, is with us. <laughs> Thank you, sir. I, I appreciate your time and your, your insight because uh, – 
this is going to be interesting to see how the Warriors come back here on Friday. Because your your expectation for Game Four is for the if if a healthy Clay is good enough to play, you believe the Warriors will win, right? They absolutely win. They absolutely win. I give you like I give you like ten I give you like ten free interviews on the house if they win. <laughs> Don't do that. <laughs> no. <laughs> Don't do that. Because <laughs> I will call you and ask you your thoughts on Cubs baseball. I'll get your thoughts on the beer. I'll, I'll, I'll use all those 10 very quickly. So don't do that, Ryan Hollis. <laughs> Thank you, sir. All right, my man. Keep killing it. <laughs> there, there he is, Ryan Hollins, uh, opinion maker, ESPN NBA analyst with us here on Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood.